as they are heading out, I'll go on and kind of get started with an introduction. Um, like uh, Pastor CJ said, I have served as a youth pastor for uh, between 13 to 14 years now, and it has been an honor and a privilege to serve in that capacity. Uh, I have got to know many, many young people and um, been able to kind of pour into their lives and uh, see lives changed, and uh, it's uh, it's always been a blessing to be able to do that, to kind of uh, get them a head start than what I had growing up, and um, it's always a blessing. Um, and speaking of youth ministry, one thing I've learned uh, out of my many years of uh, being around teenagers is the most common problem that any teenagers face, I mean, they come from backgrounds that are all kinds of different tragic things in life. They come from broken homes, uh, drug-infested homes, alcohol-infested homes, uh, and many different things. But the one thing that youth always come back to is not being able to accept them as their self. There's always something they want to change. Either their hair, their eyes, their nose, their toes, their feet. They, there's something about them that they cannot accept. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is accepting ourselves through Christ. Because we are wonderfully made. The Bible tells us that he, we are created in His image. So our main text is going to be out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. And as you're turning to Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 20, I want to encourage you to, throughout the, uh, this process tonight, to remember that you are created by our Heavenly Father. He made you the way He wanted you. You know, in our culture today, we have so much issues with accepting the way we are. We got men that's trying to be women and women that's trying to be men. And God's saying, no, I created you how I wanted you. You need to be accepting of the way I have you. So in 1 Corinthians, or just Colossians, I'm trying to go into another message, but in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things was created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So just in that short passage, in those two uh, scriptures, it is telling us that we are created by God and that our bodies, our temples, that He has put us in, is for Him. It's for His work. It's for His will. We don't have a choice in the matter if we want to live for Him. Now, of course, there's always a choice. Kind of like on the Matrix, you get a choice of taking which pill you want to be a follower of the Matrix or 
one of those people that just live in the worst world and don't even know what they're doing. And so, but we are created for a purpose. Now, in those sets of scriptures, he was telling us that we are created for him. In the next set of scriptures that we're going to re re uh, read on, it's going to tell us his divine plan. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, although him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. That's the hope that God gave us. That no matter what we make of our life, that we have that eternal hope. All we have to do is come to the cross, come to the altars, and ask God to pour that blood upon our lives to cleanse us, to give us peace, to give us comfort, to give us hope. I have a short video I want us to watch, and some of you may have seen it. But it's going to take us deep into our bodies to prove that God has created us. Long story short, the tour was winding down. Last time around, we were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. He says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. G give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You gotta have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie, oh man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm, I'm totally blank on laminin. He goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule, protein molecule. Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like, all right. He said, no, Louis, it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's, it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. You've got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. I'm like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. Like, I don't even know how to spell laminin. 
takes his card out. He writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. Okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminate, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like, wow, that's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now. Okay, this is what I found right here. No, come on. That's crazy. That's just crazy. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me, I'm happy with that, don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. How crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this, it's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things and in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. It's not by mistake. It's not by just some oops out there. We was all created with a purpose in mind. We was all created because we was planned. You know, a lot of times you hear uh, parents say to their kids, they was a mistake or they wasn't planned. Maybe the parents went not planning, but God planned. And God had a purpose. Over in Genesis, 
chapter 1, in verse 27, very beginning of the Bible, it says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Everywhere in the beginning of the world, when God was creating this earth, He said, let it be. Then He looked back, and it is good. Never, ever did He say in the beginning as He was creating the world, oops, that was a mistake. Maybe I need to change that. We are proven through His Word, proven right in our own DNA, that we was purchased, we was planned, and we are God's children. We need to be happy with who we are. We need to be happy with what God is doing in our life. And if God can create one little cell, a hesin molecule to be in our body, to hold our skin on, to tell our body how to function, all the different things that our body does on a day-to-day basis is coming from this one molecule in our body. And it's in the shape of the cross. That is not, a, not by happenstance. That's not, the, the scientists will say, well, it, it's really not the cross, but it is. Because God has created each and every one of us. And He has got a reason, a purpose for each and every one of us. We just have to be accepting of that and allow Him to change our lives so we can uh, change others around us. One of the biggest movements that's in our nation, I kind of hit I kind of hit on this a little bit, and I know a lot of pastors really stray from a lot of this stuff, but it's it's really kind of becoming a problem here in, around the world is that people are so naive, been blindsided by the devil, that they want to say, well, God created me wrong. God put me in a body that I was not supposed to be in. And I know that's a very touchy subject around here today. But the Bible teaches us that we have to preach truth. That we can't tiptoe around the issues. Now we are to love and accept the people. But we also got to be an example in front of them. And that's where a lot of people want to really, and especially church people, we, we have gotten to the point where we're accepting gays and lesbians and transitional into our churches and giving them positions in our churches. Now we are to love them and share and, and, and let them know that God loves them, but at the same time we are to preach truth. We talked about a couple of weeks ago in the youth group that what, how we say and what we say to people can affect people's outlook on us. 
we can always get people's attention by love than, than, by, than by bitterness. There's an old saying that was said a lot by my grandparents and, and even my parents. You can attract more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And it's true. As Christians, we have been known to go up to people and tell them by the, what they're wearing or the way they're acting that if they don't change it, they're going to die and go to hell instead of love them and accept them and bring them into the presence of God and allow God to change them. we got to get to the point where we are accepting that we cannot change a person. No matter how much we would love to, there's times I've met people that I would... I, I wish I could just take this bubble and just slap them upside the head a few times to change them. But that will not work. You have to love on them. You've got to just spend time and visit with them. You don't have to agree with their philosophies. You don't have to believe about their doctrines or their beliefs. But in order to make an impact into their life, you have to love them. And you have to be a light. And if you cannot love the person, how are you going to be a light into the person's life? It's just like the kids that I'm around constantly. If I don't ever show them love and attention, do you think they're going to pay attention to anything I have to say? No. But because I spend time with them, I take them places, I share the Word with them, they are willing to listen just because I show interest. And that's the way all of us needs to be, is willing to sit down with people around us, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, and just love them and let them know that they are created by the Heavenly Father and that they're perfect. They don't have to change anything about their bodies. They don't have to change anything about their looks. I had a teenager that came up to me one day and was like, I would like to have a nose job. Do you think I need to have a nose job? I'm like, I think you're perfect just the way you are because that's the way God created you. But our self-image has become such a, a turmoil in our lives today because we got supermodels that we're supposed to look like if we want to be successful we want to be cool we got to look like these supermodels and that's the biggest lie that satan could ever give because it doesn't matter the way you look it doesn't matter the the parts of your body you don't like because god created you and he created you to be perfect in his image plus when we leave this earth, we're going we're gonna to drop this earthly body and get into an immortal body that God's going to give us. So why are we worried about this body? Yes, it's great to take care of it, to eat healthy and stuff like that. That's not a bad thing. But why do you want to change your hair? Believe me, that's, that was one of my biggest struggles as a teenager. My hair just grows every which way. I was known as the kid in high school that was, had the white man afro because that's 
literally my hair just grows and it just poofs out like a chia pet. So that's the reason why I keep mine shaved off because I don't want to look like a chia pet. And then after I wake up in the morning, I have to take a shower in the morning, otherwise just all over the place. And that was always my downfall as a teenager is I wanted to change my hair. My brother, he's a year older than me, had the perfect hair. I mean, the kind of hair you didn't even have to put hairspray. You just feather it back, comb it to the side, do whatever you want to, and it stays there. And he's the one that was wanting to shave his head off all the time. I was like, God, just take my head, put it on him, and put his hair on mine. Because I've always wanted to have the hair to be able to feather back and comb over to the side and do all kinds of things. And I almost lost my salvation over my hair. And normally that's girls, but I was one. And it's because it was so silly, you know. God created my hair the way it is. I just got to rejoice in it and be glad and just cut it every so often. That way I don't look like a Chia Pat. And so I told that, uh, that young lady that came and asked me about a nose job, I was like, just own it. Just enjoy that nose. God created that nose for a reason. And if you go messing around with God's perfection, you may mess up something. You may mess up your breathing abilities, and that would not be good. Your smelling abilities. Won't be able to sm smell the good cheesy pizzas. We don't want to do that. Love yourself the way God has created you. And accept the calling that God has placed on our lives to live with Him on this earth, to share the love of God with every person we come in contact so we can have everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Had another young lady that her biggest problem was her feet. She had ugly feet. That's like they're beautiful in the eyes of God. Plus, there's not a whole lot of work you can do to your feet. You can't chop off your feet and put another set of feet on. They haven't got that talented with all this uh, uh, medical procedures. And then, of course, I had some young lady said, I think I would look a lot better if I had tattoos. The guys, that was one of the biggest things. I think I could be cool if I had a big old tattoo on this arm. I was like, well, yeah, you'll probably look cool for a little while. But when you become an old man, it's going to be all saggy and running and looking like a big bruise more than anything. Be happy with the way God's made you. Because it's only for a short time. And then we'll get to put on the glorified body. This is only a passing through temple. We're coming, we're going through this journey, and then we're going to go home. Now, I don't know what my glorified body is going to look like, but I, I do pray that I will have the hair. <laughs> but if not, I'm just going to be so happy I'm in heaven, I'm not going to worry about the hair too much. Because that's, we got to learn where our priorities are. 
and that's in everything, whether it's your physical body, whether it's your job, whether it's your family. We have to learn where our priorities lie. And if we're not serving God with 100% of our abilities, then we need to reconfigure our priorities. Because if someone that is so mightyful was able to plant the world into existence, even plant the human body, because it's not just by happenstance that this, these bodies that we do live in just come out of nowhere. There's too much plumbing and, and, and rebar and all that stuff that goes into our bodies for it to be just by some happening chance. It was planned. It was purposeful. And every piece of us is perfect in the sight of God. Every person that walks this earth is perfect in the eyes of God. And we need to let them know that they're perfect. That God loves them so much that He created laminate to be in their bodies to remind us that He holds everything together. Doesn't matter what we go through on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't matter how we've been raised. It doesn't matter what we are going through at work. It doesn't matter what our minds are going through on a daily basis. He holds us together. I've struggled. I've even struggled the last two to three weeks about different things and even in my life. Trying to make sure I'm where I am with God and where I'm supposed to be. And I've had to make some very difficult decisions in my life. But I will tell you, in the end, I'm so thankful to know that God has me in His hand. He has the plan. All I have to do is just follow. Because in the end, I'm not really making the decisions. I'm just following the one that makes the decisions. God has a purpose for all of us. He has that plan. And all we have to do is watch as He's guiding us through this maze that we call life. Decisions that you make as a family that could upset everything that you know, watch for that guidance. And He will guide you through those things. Sometimes it's job changes. Sometimes it's just how to discipline your kids. Sometimes it's making choices on whether to buy a new vehicle or just fix up the old one. Sometimes it's a, it's a mindset of do we need to fix up this house or start all over and build a new house? Do we need to move or do we need to stay? We never know. But as long as we keep our eyes 
upon God and allow Him to make those decisions for us. It might get stressful. It might hurt. But it's only for a time. And as long as we stay in that presence, then His blessings will be there all the step of the way. My wife's had to remind me several times. I'm here before you today preaching to you. God has the purpose. God has the plan. But yet, God has given me my wife to remind me of that same thing every day. There's been times that I look at through life and I'm like, I just want to give up on a lot of things. But Brittany's right there to say, no, God has put us here for a reason. God is using us for a reason and Satan just going to attack you to try to get your mind off of it. Because Satan doesn't want us to succeed in life. He doesn't want us to spread the gospel. He doesn't want us to see lives changed. Why do you think he's worked so hard to destroy the family? Why do you think he so worked so hard to destroy the churches of today? Satan will use anyone that he possibly can to destroy your home, your life, your church. But we as the body, we have to stay in the tune, stay up under that fountain of the presence of God. So when those attacks come our way, we are ready for the attacks. We're ready to go into those battles. God tells us to put on the armor for a reason, as Pastor CJ made mention on Sunday. And the first step is always remembering that we are made in God's image. We are perfect in His eyes. And we just got to live it as He gives it to us. When He tells us to take a right, we take a right. If He tells us to take a left, we take a left. Sometimes He tells us to back up because sometimes we do get ahead of God's plan. We know what He's wanting us to do and sometimes we just get so on fire and we start getting out there and we go too fast for Him. And we need to back up. Just sit in His presence and wait for the right timing. And it all comes because He knows us so well because He created us. It's just like a mechanic. A lot of times they know their, their cars better than anybody else because they know how it was built. Well, God knows every piece of our body. He knows how the brain works better than any surgeon. He knows how our digestive system works. He knows how our feet are supposed to work better than anybody because He created us. So why can't we trust Him with our bodies? Why can't we trust Him with our life when He's the one that created it? We're not our own. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now that we know that, we got to start living it. And that's hard. Knowing that God created us, that He owns us, as humans, it's hard for us to surrender to His life that He wants for us. Just like it's so hard for us to accept our bodies. Even though God created it perfectly. That is something we have to take in prayer. That we will accept ourselves. So we can change others. If you're not willing to accept yourself. You're not willing to accept the calling that God has for us to change others. Kind of harsh, ain't it? Believe me, when God put this on my heart, he stomped on my feet. Because something as simple as me not accepting my hair could hinder the fullness of the blessings that God has for me. Because God said, I loved you, I made you, you are perfect. Your hair is perfect. May No one else on this earth may believe it, but your hair is perfect. You are perfect. All we have to do is give our life to Christ. Follow that calling and see what God has in store for us. Worship team, if you will come back. Very simply tonight, I, I just want you to ask, or I just want to ask you tonight, just to kind of search your heart. God may have been trying to ask you to accept yourself. God may be asking you to make a change in your life somewhere. God may be asking you to make a change in, in many things, in jobs, in finances. But I believe if, if you truly want the fullness of God, you would accept those things. If you truly want to see people's lives change, you're going to accept those changes that needs to be done in our lives. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you that... I'm always perfect because I'm not. I know I still got growing I need to do. So I believe everybody in this room could say, God, I just want to surrender all. Everything. I just want to surrender all tonight. There's a song that we sing. And sometimes I don't understand. I don't think we really wrap our minds around what we are truly saying. Jesus, be the center of it all. Be the center of my life. Be the center of the church. Be the center of my family. So I'm just going to ask you to find a place to pray, whether it's in your seat up here at the altars, and let's just begin to prepare our hearts. Prepare our lives 
to be the the fountain that God wants us to be to be filled to be changed and to let it flow out of us for our community to see the altars are open